Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. My name is Zachary Bader-Shamai. And I'm Eddie Meredith. And for the next, oh, I don't know, two and a half months, we're going to be joining you on this journey through the OUA football season. What teams are looking good? Any surprises? Which players are really shining? Any of the CFL prospects? Whether the draft is rising, falling, big rookies that have come in, who's looking good, and just everything and anything related to the OUA football season. Pretty much any storyline we can get our hands on, we'll talk about. And on that point, as from where we sit right now, we're fairly new to this game. We have our experiences, of course, myself playing for Guelph and Eddie for Western. uh, And we have contacts in the league that we can get some info on. But if you want to reach out to us, give us any extra info. If you feel like we've missed the mark on something, feel free to send us an email or reach out. Our email is at the 55 podcast. That is 55 with two number fives, five, five at gmail.com, at the55podcast, at gmail.com. So let's jump right into week one and a review of the game. So let's start off with the Queens-York game. And if you missed it, final score, Queens 42, York 21. And traditionally, when you see a score like that in the past few years, you probably assume that Queens dominated the ball game and York put up some points in garbage time. But honestly, after watching this one, it's it was kind of the opposite. It was a really tightly contested ball game through three quarters York opened the scoring, and it wasn't until, I don't know, about midway through the third that Queens really started rolling. Nate Hobbs entering his fifth year, obviously a you know very veteran player, second-team OUA All-Star last year. He's going to throw for a ton of yards. Yeah, he put up, uh, have your, he had 320 with three touchdowns in the air and one on the ground as well. And that's just going to be an average game for him. Yeah. I mean, I think statistically he'll have better games. He might have worse, but it won't be by a lot. He yeah. might throw a couple more touch, a couple more interceptions occasionally against really great teams because they're going to throw the ball a ton. Yeah. And then on York's side, is oh. it? It's Brett Hunchak is the quarterback and Colton's the receiver. Yeah, the the two brother Hunchaks. And people may not be as familiar with Brett because he spent his first three years at York, but he's coming into this year looking to shatter a bunch of York records. Right now, he is ranked second all time in passing yards at four thousand eight hundred thirty two, fourth in touchdowns thrown at twenty three. Second in completions, fourth in attempts. So regardless of how the season goes for the Lions, you know it's going to be a great story to follow Brett and just whether he can shatter these records. And it, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting these guys to be a playoff team. Maybe they can surprise down the road, but I mean, I think you know it's unfortunately there's there's a bottom tier of the division right now, and so we'll we'll have to see what happens with their games against Windsor and Toronto. Uh, those three teams, York, Windsor, and Toronto, being I think I think. People would say the consensus bottom three, but a lot can mm-hmm. happen. It can be a dynamic conference, and Waterloo showed everyone last year. What were they expected to get? Two wins, maybe, maybe, and that was after having had none in the previous couple years. I think, I think there's anything can happen in this conference. Yeah, and you know, it looks like if we're gonna infer anything out of this first game from York, is that they're gonna live and die by Hunchak and the passing game, and just say, you know what, we're gonna try and air the ball out, see what how many points we can put up, and see if you can keep up. And you know what? It, it's a risky formula to play by, but that's a way you can steal a game or two here or there. I mean, obviously against the teams that are kind of more on their level, Toronto and Windsor, but who knows? You catch a team on a bad day, and it, it's football. Anything can happen, maybe? Well, anything can happen. And if you're watching <laughs> the Western Carlton game... Oh, boy. That, that, was, an, that was an exercise in anything could happen for Western. Yeah. Well, and the thing that happened was Western didn't play very well to start the game. We'll get to that game in a little bit because that falls in our games of the week category. But moving on to another game that was an absolute shootout that even put this one to shame was that Sunday nighter 
Windsor Waterloo. When when I saw this on the schedule, I kind of glazed over. I didn't, th- you know, how's Trey Ford gonna do in his second year? Is Windsor gonna look like they're starting to come out from the basement? Is Waterloo gonna still look like a contender? I was not expecting the game we got. Oh my goodness! So let's take a look on the Windsor side. First off, we had Sam Girard throwing for what was it? We had the stats here: a league best 478 yards and five touchdowns. Three of three of which. Went to Alex Bournet. And and it's a narrow league best because the second best was Trey Ford. Uh, over 450 and six touchdowns. Yeah, and, and if you didn't catch this game, the final score was 53 to 37. So like you said, absolute shootout, like something out of the Wild West. Now, I think I think that the score doesn't maybe do quite justice. I think Waterloo did have a pretty commanding lead. Yeah. Pretty early. You're right. And and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily all garbage time points for Windsor. That's not what I'm saying, but a little different from the Queens York game that had a different feel. Yeah, and like you said, 478 yards, five touchdowns for the Windsor pivot, and that should win you most games. <laughs> and and I was a little confused because he also yeah he added 58 on the ground and a touchdown, and that's something everyone's going to be watching for when Trey Ford plays because he is a dynamic weapon. If you watch NCAA or NFL football, you'll know the name Lamar Jackson. He won mm-hmm. the Heisman a couple years ago. He can do it all with his legs. He also has a good arm. So it, this is a guy you're going to want to watch every time. And I think Waterloo is an offense you're going to want to watch every time they play because they also have a great offensive line and excellent receivers. Tyler Ternowski. A guy that cannot be misstated what he put up in this game. Four touchdowns. 289 yards? Something like that. It was just shy of 300 yards. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? what? And, and Eddie, you, we were kind of joking about this earlier where like, when your quarterback puts up 463 yards, six touchdowns on 25 or 28 passing, Three when you're incompletions on the day, I, I I can't even fathom what that like, that's unbelievable. But we were kind of joking how if you're another receiver on this team, like you yeah. probably look at a stat line, and you're you're like, oh yeah, all the receivers probably ate. They all had nice stats. Like nope. no, Ternowski just stole the show, and everyone else just enjoyed the W. I guess. I mean, I, like there were receivers, and they're like, "This, you know, this is just silly fun." It's nothing against. Them. No, no, of course there, not. There were receivers who had one thirtieth as many yards yeah. as him. You know, ten yards, but still decent games. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, Kernick had a good game too. Yeah, like, he's, he's a really good player for them. Nice. Team. I was a little surprised. I mean, looking at the stat line, it bears it out. They didn't run the ball. This is a team that I thought would know where their bread is buttered, or well, I would assume their bread is buttered in the run game. This is Chris Bertoya. Mm-hmm. Former offensive line coach at Western, my offensive line coach for two years. So I was a little surprised with the way this game flowed out, especially when you have a lead. I would assume you would want to be running the ball, but you know what? I, I guess they're they're still the thing about the first week of the regular season is even if you've had a scrimmage, which Waterloo did, but mm-hmm. even if you've had a scrimmage, this is still this is the first week of action. This is yeah. you're ironing out kinks. You're getting to know your own team. Mm-hmm. So I think that'll be. That'll have been a bit of the case for this game. I think we'll find there'll be a more balanced offense going forward. And Windsor, I mean, you've you've got to you've got to take a lot of solace in that stat line your quarterback put up. That's you know some people might say that's an anomaly, but that's it's a pretty damn good. That's anomaly. a pretty exactly you know. And but going back to Waterloo side here, I mean, you kind of mentioned that despite the score looking a little close, Waterloo was really in control. They put up thirty-one points in that second quarter. Yeah, that, yeah, that's wild. That I, that was almost the total amount of points scored in the MAC Guelph game this week. 
Like <laughs> <laughs> it was probably a lot more exciting to watch in terms of offensive explosivity. Yeah, no, for for sure. We'll get to that Mac game, the Mac Guelph game a little bit later. So one last game to cover before we jump into our games of the week, and that was Ottawa Laurier. Laurier took it 39-21 and no real surprises in this game. So so given what we saw in some of the other games this week, it looks like passing the ball is seemingly the new cool thing to do in the OUA. And as good as a team as Laurier is running the ball, they are no slackers through the air either. Well, they want to be in on the party too. Oh, exactly. They're going to run the ball, obviously, every game very well. They have good backs. They have a good offensive line. They're very well coached. Very well coached. And they're going to do things that other teams can't do formationally or won't do. And that's bring in two tight ends and have a fullback, create extra gaps, run on those edges. Again, I've mentioned this before. This is a this is a team that can do different things in the run game than other teams. So they're going to do those things. But they're also going to pass the ball. Tristan Arndt is the quarterback now, and OUA watchers will remember him from last year when he filled in for Neville later in the year. Didn't look like there would be a huge drop-off when he eventually took over. Doesn't look like there will be either. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Very and mobile. Very mobile, yeah. exactly. That's definitely what I noticed in that game was when they started slinging the ball, yeah, he makes the pass, makes all the passes he needs to, but he can get out of a jam when he needs to as well with his feet. Very underrated athlete, and mm. it's, it's so funny because whenever I watch a game with him on that field, I'm reminded to a game he played on that field in the junior, or sorry, in the OVFL with the junior Mustangs, where he had like an 80 yard run on that field. One of your kids, yeah? Yeah, well, yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was the quarterback. I wasn't coaching him. I'm an offensive lineman. I was coaching the, the Hogs, but he was, <laughs> uh, he was a wonderful uh, OVFL quarterback for the mm-hmm. junior Mustangs. And, uh, He'll, I mean, he'll continue to be a very good quarterback in the OUA, I expect. And we can't talk about Laurie's passing game without, you know, giving out all the praises to KGJ, Curly Gittins Jr. Is that what we're calling him now, KGJ? I, I think we're going to try and make that a thing, maybe? I guess we're going to make KGJ? that KGJ? This, this is a guy who's going to be a first-round pick. Yeah. This guy's incredible. You, the, I mean, he that's gets so incredibly open. What I can't understate enough about his game, just in terms of an athletic standpoint, and you, it really showed out on the punt return he had or was it, yeah, the punt return he had just to end the first half, it was something like probably 50-plus yard return. How he, he's fast. Like, let's not get, let's not get anything twisted. He is fast. But when you watch him move, he's like, he's smooth. He's butter. He's smooth as butter. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he's going to be an exciting guy to watch. And you're a vegan. Game. I've never heard you talk hey, about butter that way. No, before. exactly. Some non-dairy, he's, he's some <laughs> non-dairy butter. A it's, wonderful non-dairy yeah. creamer. Oh my goodness. Exactly. Um, But, you know, and, and not to... Talk solely about Laurier. Ottawa's a team that will probably be vying for one of the last spots in the playoff race. You know, depending on how things shake up. Week one, we don't really know how things are looking. But there's definitely some potential here with the team. Shout out I want to give to is a Toronto boy. Uh, Mr. Tremaine Clark-Stevens. D-tackle for Ottawa. Played for Metro Toronto Wildcats. Eddie, that's the reason you and me really know each other. Yeah. MT Dubs, MTW, baby. MTW, baby. Um, Wildcats for life. But yeah, he had a sack on the game. Some good pressures and just... It looks like a good run stopper. Probably be in the mix top five or so D-tackles in the league. Yeah, I've heard good things about their D-tackle pairing. And obviously, we know their their defensive backs are outstanding. Mm-hmm. Jamie Harry, Luke French, those are a couple guys who will be you know in all-conference talks. Jamie Harry, I think, was, was he all-Canadian last year? Something He's an right. outstanding player. Like and, He, led, he yeah. led the league in picks. They get a lot of picks from that secondary. And they got Cranston's, the, the brother of... I forget the names, but they they still have one of the Cranstons there in the secondary. Uh, right. So Brian Cranston, yeah, yeah, he's a uh, bad, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, math in the secondary. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, a, a team to watch. Well, they'll be interesting because they're going to be really well coached every year. The professor, Barisi, he's he's always 
He's always doing really interesting stuff in the passing game, always getting guys open, finding ways to circumvent weaknesses on the team. Uh, some years they've had great offensive lines in some previous years. At times they've had injury issues. And, well, you don't need to run the ball as much if you're getting receiver screens out wide really quick. So, I mean, Ottawa's a team, you can never count them out. No, and, and it, yeah, and sorry, and it can never be understated the importance of having to make a six-hour drive mm. to play Ottawa in their own barn. Like, that's... that's is, that a, a, is that a transition? I think that might be a transition. Is that to, a transition to our to, Games of the Week segment? Well, yeah. Because we had a team travel to Ottawa this week, oh. and they looked like they might not... Took them a little while oh, to get off the bus. Took, yeah, we were, of course, talking about Eddie's own Western Mustangs, who almost lost their first oh. game in over a year. Oh. Eddie, take me through this game. Oh, man. I, I, I had to saddle up the old... Uh, <laughs> The old heartburn express, it was so stressful. <laughs> oh my gosh, give me an ulcer. No, it, you know what? What a week in the OUA where we have two games decided by one point and another by overtime. And it, they both happen to be our games of the week, oh, maybe. Look uh. at us, look at us. We didn't do a before uh, season start show to, to tell you those would be our games of the week, so you're going to have to take our word for it. <laughs> uh, but take our word indeed. Western didn't look so hot coming out the gate. No. No, they did not. Uh Carlton looks good. This isn't all about Western not looking good. This is also about Carlton looking good. Yeah. Carlton's front is legit. Kenny Onyeka is the first guy you have to know about on their defense. He is a stud. Like he was a he was the Metris nominee for the OUA last year, and deservedly so. There were three really, well, even four really good guys. Uh the three that initially come to mind are uh him, Robbie Smith, and and Mark Mackey from last year. They were all mm-hmm. terrors at defensive end. And frankly, when you hear the name Onyeka, like you don't really need to ask any more questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. Like, is he playing? (laughs) Is he playing D line, linebacker, or DB? Doesn't matter. He's gonna be good. (laughs) Yeah. Like there, there's always a good Onyeka in the conference. Mm -hmm. It's a rule. And uh, Kenny Onyeka is a force and was a force this game. I, I can't remember exactly what they gave him stats wise, and and the stats for this game are a little bit uh, shoddy, as we'll get to in a minute. Mm -hmm. But well, I'm pulling them up now. It looks like they gave him three solos. Uh, an assist and one sack on yeah. the game, but it doesn't tell it doesn't tell the whole story. No. Even if even if those are all correct, and one pass breakup, pardon, me. and one pass breakup. Even if those are all correct, it doesn't tell the whole story. Sure, he was a menace. He was creating havoc. He was getting double teamed, breaking double teams, making plays all over the place. He's the guy who's featured in their defense in sub packages on passing downs. They'll put him at linebacker, have him rove around, find the gap he wants, and go mm-hmm. or. Maybe not the one he wants, but the one they want him to rush through. <laughs> yeah. And he is a terror. The other guys they have, uh, Tevin Bowen is an every down kind of D-tackle for them. Jesse Cosens, another guy D-tackle who's going to be playing a lot. Frederick Robitaille is a, he's sort of a tweener defensive lineman. You'll see him in sub packages every time because he's very quick off the ball. So I think he's about 6'2", 240, 250, something like that. So he's not sort of a true end, true tackle type, but very quick off the ball, violent hands. Very strong player. And then on the other side of the line, a defensive end, they have Shaheem Charles-Brown. Long, athletic, fast. You know, maybe not the most refined pass rusher, but give him a couple years, and he could absolutely be there. Mm -hmm. And then at linebacker, Jack Kasser. This is a guy we're going to have to keep our eye on. He is a good player. He had a ton of tackles in the game. He had an interception. That's why I was mentioning earlier with the stats. They attributed that to to Josh Walsh, which, I, I mean, fair mistake. One wears 44, the other wears 45. <laughs> or, for, sorry, 45 and 46, rather. Oh, okay. Passers 45, 
Walsh is 46. Mm. They both played great, and they both look similar. They're both tall. They're both rangy. They're both great linebackers. Mm. So this is a good front. So then what really, I mean, obviously the team as it stands right now is 0-1. As great a game as it was, they lost. Mm. Um, we don't know how the rest of the season is going to play out. We'll have to keep an eye. This is a very interesting team. But what gets you excited about this team that's different from a fairly mediocre year last year? What's the real X factor? It's Michael Ruda. Michael Ruda. Their quarterback. So last year they looked like a good team that was sputtering on offense because of inconsistent quarterback play. This year, the game the game flow was a really interesting one because Aruda was hitting deep passes on Western. He was connecting, I think he connected on like four deep passes that were sort of take the top off the defense type passes. And that's not counting one long pass that was really a short pass with a long run to the fullback, Mitch Raper. Aruda played well. Mm-hmm. And he played well in spite of the kind of protection you expect to see week one against a good defense at Western, which is it's going to be stressed. It's going to be bent. It's going to be broken at times. And it was all that. And I thought he played a really good game. And I think that is the difference, will be the difference. Now, again, this is an offensive line that graduated three or four. I'm not sure what Casey Baker's status is. Outstanding guard was drafted to Montreal Assumedly, I mean, he was, I think he was released from the team or he was sort of furloughed as the CFL can do where they'll send a guy back. He's on the roster, but he was not in the game. So the only offensive lineman that they had back with substantial starting experience is McGreer, and he's a very good tackle. But they were they were breaking in new guys. And so the protection's gonna be tested, and it mm-hmm. was. And they do some interesting things in protection. I'm not so sure I like where they'll pop an offensive lineman, lock guys, and pop a bit of that old school uncovered. style protection. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and that's and that's that's okay. That can work. You need a real athlete at center, or depending on where your openings or, are, or guard. Yeah. yeah, well, and then at the other spot that you know then is being the left uncovered on the island yeah. in the middle. Yeah. So Western got eventually got to the the mm-hmm. quarterback with pressure, and really that was one of the decisive plays where. Mm. Frazier Sopic on a rush. Uh, it, it seemed to be, it was kind of hard to tell from the film who exactly forced the fumble. Yeah. But the pressure from Western, including Frazier Sopic coming up the middle, forced the pressure that caused Aruda to fumble. And your boy. Which was picked up by Phil Dion and taken to the house for six. And definitely one of the big turning points in this game. But let's, let's move over to the Western side offensively because one of the big names coming back to this team that people weren't sure about was Alex Taylor. Mm. But he was kind of outperformed in this game by Joseph. Well, yeah. I mean, so statistically, yes. Statistically. Statistically, yes. Alex Taylor is taking more reps at W receiver now. Mm. So slot receiver, which in the Western offense typically gets carries as well as passes. And I don't forgive me if, if you just don't know this insight. Is that a product of so he, he went to Montreal or where did he get uh, drafted? He was in Edmonton. He was in Edmonton. Is that a product? I know sometimes I know this happened with Johnny Augustine at Guelph. In his last season, where he went, to, he also went to Edmonton. Then he came back, or and they essentially they want to see him, him get more reps at receiver yeah. as opposed to traditionally at the running back position he played for his first years at Guelph. Is this a product of that, or is this Western just trying to mix things up with him, knowing that they have a guy as solid as Joseph that they can run the ball with, get Taylor in some other spots? I think it could be both. I don't, I don't know, I don't know specifically if Edmonton told him, "Hey, get more reps at this, and, yeah. and we'll bring you back." 
Alex Taylor was a good receiver, is a good receiver, had shown that on film, is obviously a great running back. I think this is about getting the best five receivers on the field at once, the best the best players on the field. Mm. So, or, you know, the best however many skilled yeah. players on the field at once. I'm a, I'm a lineman. I don't do math. Like, <laughs> talk to me about protection. Don't talk to me about math. Anyways. Is that, well, then I'll talk to you about something that you do know then t- about the run game. Based on what you said about Taylor, are, are we expecting Joseph to continually be the number one back for them? I expect Joseph to get the most carries this year, yes. Mm. Sure, I, okay, pardon me. Yeah, in, in the traditional run, in a yeah, more traditional yeah, run yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, Western is... Uh, People kind of will lament it at times. They're kind of spoiled at running back, right? I mean, you look at the guys behind them. Trey Humes, Jalen Jackson is a kid they brought in this year. They're really high on. Western has a lot of good backs. A merchant can move the ball himself. Well, like, he, like his, he can move it with his feet, too. He's not half bad at quarterback, yeah. Well, so... Yeah, there you go. That's a thing I said. <laughs> no, hot take here. Hot, Chris Merchant is a good take. quarterback in the OUA. You heard it here first. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I, I think I think Cedric will end up getting the most carries. Obviously, that's what it looked like this game. You never know though. They might just go with the hot hand. They might ebb and flow it. Mm. But Alex Taylor is a very good receiving back. So having him at W just sort of leverages his skills most. So, Western has the second week bye. As someone who's been in that locker room, admittedly not in that locker room, coming off many losses, not that this was a loss, but definitely a game that Marshall won't be happy about. Talk a little bit, because that's a very, what's the word? That's a very, there's a lot of mystique around Western in terms of how you guys do things. Greg Marshall, the legend he is. What do you think is going on in London right now with the bye week, preparing for their week three matchup, a huge one in London versus Mac? Like, what's the mindset there? They have to get better every week. And that's what made Western last year a little different, I think, from previous years. And, and what, well, what helped them win a Vanier Cup is how much better they got every week. And we think about the Western team that won the Vanier Cup last year and went on that great playoff run, that great late season run. Obviously, they were undefeated, but where it got extremely dominant towards the end of the year. That was not the team that began the year. That was not the team that went to double overtime or sing, sorry, single overtime with Guelph. Well, perfect example, because they threw them, just they just ran right over them came, come playoff time. So perfect example there. Yeah, they beat them pretty good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Western got better every week, and there were going to be things in this game they had to fix. They're mm-hmm. breaking a new offensive lineman. Really, they have right now they have two returning starters. One's playing a different spot than he played last year. They're hoping to get Dave Brown back, I think midseason, to be conservative. He's coming off an ACL that he suffered in that Vanier Cup win. But they're, they're breaking in new guys. They knew this wouldn't look perfect. They knew things wouldn't be quite right. I think they might have hoped it was better than this. But the mindset is going to be get better, fix mistakes. The very, the very same thing every team's going to try to do. This isn't, you know, people, people have, I think, a bit of a misconception about Western that it's different than other places. It's not. It, you know, they're trying to fix their mistakes. They're trying to improve their core competencies like every other team. So I think that's what they'll be focused on. I mean, I know it's a, it's a bye week, but no one's taking the week off. This is a, a work week for them. And going into Mac Week 2, Mac always plays Western tough. 
It definitely do. And that's a good segue into our other game of the week, which featured the McMaster Marauders against my alma mater, the Guelph Griffins. They play them tough too. They, you know, this had to be a game of the week because, you know, whether it's just the geographical, uh, how closely these two are connected, just having played two Yates Cups in the course of three years. And just like you said, every time it's a close game. But having watched this one, I don't know whether it was a strong defensive outing from both teams or a poor offensive outing by both teams. It's a little ambiguous. A little ambiguous. I mean, the one thing is there was a lot of questions about... Well, both teams had a lot of questions that I don't think we can say for sure have been answered, but we're getting closer to those answers. Well, I mean, one of the big questions for Matt going into the year was, well, what are they going to do on defense? They have, they're losing their whole front six. Yeah. Or the one guy they have back from their front six, a defensive tackle, yeah, they're moving him to offensive line. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Well, I thought it looked pretty good. They have a few CJFL guys they brought in. They all look great. Mm-hmm. D well, tackle, D end, middle linebacker, sorry, actually will linebacker, all look really good. And the, the interesting thing too, and we, I know you and I kind of talked about this going into the game was, with Knox as the head coach, what type of influence will he have on the defense still? And as someone who played against Mac for two years myself, against Knox's defense, that was always a game that the week of, and sometimes even the week prior, when you know that game's coming up on the schedule, you're as an offensive lineman, you're just dreading being like, just going over everything they do schematically is crazy. But what I saw in that game was kind of vanilla for most of it. Definitely some shades of those you know, exotic kind of blitzes and twists with the deal, all kinds of noise happening in that front six, front seven, but predominantly a little vanilla. And I I wonder, is that going to be a trend for them? Was that just, you know, week one, we'll come out a little soft. We don't want to play all our cards. Well, I think so. One of the reasons that might be the case mm. is new defensive coordinator. Sure. Knox called the defense last year. This is a Knox defense either way. You know what I mean? In the same yeah. way that Greg Marshall brought in an offensive coordinator, mm. the offense didn't look any different. Someone else <laughs> had the reins. Yeah. There were some different wrinkles. There was some new terminology. But everything was pretty much fundamentally kept in place. Mm. I would say the same thing is going to be the case on the McMaster defense. And I think we'll see those wild exotic blitzes eventually. But they're breaking in, again, like an entirely new front six. Mm-hmm. Like, none of these guys played there last year. They have a freshman, D-Tackle, who's, who's playing pretty well in Dalson Burdage. They have offensive linemen playing defensive tackle who look not bad. I mean, they're, you know, like, better than I would expect offensive linemen playing defensive tackle look like. Sure. And then Mitch Lyons, yeah, the CJFLD tackle looks outstanding. You're not going to come in week one with a new defense and a new DC and go crazy, especially against a team that can make you pay for it, like Guelph. So Can make you. Well, didn't necessarily in this one, though, as much as it hurts me to say. But sticking with Mac for now, we just go over the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Jackson White, a guy that people are probably expecting a lot out of this uh, this year, a guy that I'm going to go ahead and and label as the OUA's Big Ben because I'm pretty sure he's listed at like 6'3", 250. He's a big kid. Oh, he's a big kid. And you saw a few times where Guelph got some pressure. (laughs) Definitely one of the question marks for Guelph that we probably had going into this year is the defense doing a great job, but getting pressure on White and him able to make something out of seemingly nothing at times. Uh, you know, he, a slow start to the game, which might have been aided by some bad field position Mac was put in. But, you know, there were some bad passes in the, the early going of the mm-hmm. game. Like, he's a really good quarterback. He's going to be a really good quarterback in this conference. I think you have to put him 
you know, at least right now, think that he's going to eventually be in that great tier of Mac quarterbacks of which they have so many. Yeah, Mac, Mac U, or QBU. <laughs> Mac- edit, edit, edit. QB, McMaster, good old QB, QBU. Mac U, Moo U. Mac- what? Where are we? Okay. Anyways, uh, football. Jackson White's a really good quarterback. Yeah. And I think he's I think his development is going to be pretty I, I think he's gonna end up being one of the better Mac quarterbacks in the last five years, ten years. Mm. I mean, obviously his quarterback coach and one of the sort of co offensive coordinators is uh, I guess the best quarterback to ever play at Mac. One of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the CIS period, Kyle Quinlan. Yeah. I mean, he's incredible. Yeah. Like, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna fanboy out, but he was awesome to watch. That first Vanier Cup matchup with Laval, the one that they won, was one of the best football games I've ever watched in my life. And Kyle Quinlan, yeah, I mean, he's, oh he was the quarterback who did that, and yeah, you watch, every time you watch him play, well, we're getting off topic here. <laughs> the point is, Jackson White's going to be good. He's okay? in Jackson, he's good, he's in good hands, and we'll expect good things from but him. But he didn't look great starting the game. No. No, he he was kind of gripping it and ripping it maybe a little bit too uh, aggressively, mm. and he had some airmail balls. That interception early on was an airmail. That was just a bad ball. So, I mean, I... I think Jackson, like I think he looked better towards the second half of the game. It didn't feel like a great game from him. Still had over 200 yards passing, a touchdown, a pick. And he, he made plays when it counted. Like late down the stretch, he had a nice deep ball to Tommy Neald, which really helped them get in position for, I think, the touchdown that put them ahead, something like that. So, you know, may, the winners tell the tale of the game. And at the end of the day, he made the plays when he needed to. And, you know, this was actually, this is a huge game when you really think about it because. Guelph and Mac are two teams that are going to probably that are probably going to be competing for the top echelon of the of the conference. Yeah, you're right. And you know this is a game where Mac's going on the road to Ottawa next week, which we talked about is always a wild card. Then they're going to London the week after. If they had dropped this game at home to Guelph, that could have been catastrophic. I mean, we'll talk about the impact this is for Guelph losing this game. Nowhere near as bad as it would have been for Mac. So you know he made the plays when he needed to. Uh, another guy who looked good, Jordan Lyons, running the ball. Hard runner. You could see by the end of the game, a whole chunk of paint off his helmet just <laughs> torn off, which I'm sure was just from running into countless oh. Griffin defenders. Um, yeah, he looked good too. I, I, He's a good running back. This is a different-looking Mac offensive line. This is an offensive line that is going to be, I think, more athletic than in years past. They graduated some starters, both their tackles, and their center, Cody Speller, who was... I, you know, I think Cody Speller might have been the most underrated offensive lineman in the conference last year. Uh, he was really, really good. Didn't make OUA All-Star. Pretty surprised by that. I mean, there, there, were, there were good centers. Casey Baker was – sorry, not Casey Baker, but rather um, Zach Annan was really good, and, and Wheatley was really good for us. But I, I really liked Cody Speller. They've replaced him. They have two Wyatts on the team. Can you believe them? That's so confusing. Two Wyatts. What are the odds? Uh, and Edmonds and a Croucher. Croucher they got two Lions, too, I think. They have two lines. Oh my gosh. What are they doing? Illuminati confirmed. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do we keep that in or not? Yeah, we'll play it by ear. We'll see keep how it, it sounds. In. Keep it in. Anyways. Anyways. They have they have two Wyatts on the team, and one's playing center, and the other's kind of a swing O lineman. Uh, they actually got John Grant back. He was a guy who was with them two years ago, took last year off to I think he was looking at some 
other schooling options. Like I think he wants to do something other than what's offered at MAGA. I, I don't really know. But he's back with the team now. He was just injured for this game. So I expect him to be a starter. And then, yeah, Jacob Zott, an all-star consideration guard, very, very good player, tall, athletic, very fast. Like, oh, my gosh, they got him out on a screen, and he was like 20 yards downfield cutting guys down. So this is a different-looking Mac offense, and it's extremely young. Look at the eligibility. They don't lose anybody next year. They could theoretically keep the whole offense together for like two more years, two more years. Mm. So they're building something in Mac offensively. But we're not just looking down the road because aside from a bit of a slow start, the potential's right. there to they can play right now. Absolutely. This is not this is not a team that's that's rebuilding for some. No. I think at the beginning of the year, people probably thought that about Mac. I think I thought that about Mac a month ago. I'm not so sure I think of that anymore. Yeah. I mean, we'll keep track of them as the season goes on, but a team that you generally expect to be in the top four or five of the conference. Absolutely. They're, they're a playoff yeah. team every single year. Where they seed themselves in the playoffs is is absolutely up for, well, that's why they play the games, right? Exactly. It's, it's up for debate, yeah. sure, but that doesn't make any difference. What but matters who, is how they play. Who goes out and who, who takes it. And now, just, just one yeah. more thing about Mac. So we did talk about, I, I did make mention that their front... Six is is very much new, mm-hmm. but and when I say front six, I mean their their defensive line, their two DNs, their their D tackles, and their Mike and their Will linebacker. I'm going to count those as the front six. Sometimes you'll say front seven, and that'll include those guys and the Sam. But I'll say front six because that's sort of the core run defending unit. Sure, yeah. I mean Sams make plays too, but they're they're more tasked with coverage, and yeah. they're often out wider. And you can keep a Sam out of the box if you want. Mike and Will are going to be in the box near the box. So that that unit is new. But their back half, their their defensive backs and their Sam, they all pretty much have playing experience, except at boundary corner where they had to replace Robbie Yoakum. That is a good back end, like very, very strong. And mm-hmm. that'll be that'll be the strength of the defense. Even though I think what we found out from this game, if it's any indication, is that their defensive front is going to be better than you would expect it to be with all that turnover mm-hmm. because of the CJFL influx. And that might be why that might this might be another reason why we saw them come out with a little more of a basic package defensively just being the fact that they're still working in new guys and makes total sense. Yeah, you know, I, I, having played against the Knox defense, I know how difficult that is. I can only imagine playing in it. I'm sure there's a ton of calls, ton of signals to be able to be in the right position at the right time. I mean, you can draw up a play as well as you want. If you don't have the guys who can run it, it, it doesn't matter. So Probably a front six, front seven, however you want to call it, it's going to get better. And as we've mentioned a few times now, looking over the other games in this first week, looks like a lot of teams want to throw the ball. So if they're hanging their hat defensively on their secondary, all the better for them. Yeah, and I don't know. Did we did we get a chance to talk about Guelph's defense much? Well, I think we got, let's move over to Guelph now. Um, and let's start with the secondary because that was a position that had a lot of question marks going into this year because they lost Paris Soto, they lost Mechie, they lost Orion Edwards. They lost Mikey Carney. Essentially, they lost four of their five DBs. Um, but, the, you know, secondary wasn't really a problem for them, though. Defense as a whole looked fairly strong for Guelph. Uh, one guy that, well, the one guy having, who had to pick, Brandon Murphy, a rookie out of CJEP, played the boundary half position, a position I thought we were going to see another Metro Toronto Wild kid, Jason Richards, start that position. Who, I don't know exactly what they're working in there. Um, but the defense looked fairly solid, uh, anchored, of course, by Luke Coral at the Will linebacker position. And 
when I went down to Guelph two weeks ago during their training camp, you know, I saw Luke and he looks terrific. And not to say he was ever a big guy, but he he definitely slimmed down a lot. And that was a bit of a worry for me because that will position is definitely a spot where you're going to be taking on linemen, you know, tasked to t- make solid tackles. But he showed no weakness. He was flying sideline to sideline, making tackles, taking on line. Like Coral is a stud. He, I, mean, I mean, he's been playing there forever too. No, that, and that's the thing too. I mean, he is, he has the experience in the system, which when he first got there would have been McNeil, but then passed on to Grandy. Same, uh, same philosophy, same relatively ph- similar defense. Right? Exactly. So Coral is going to anchor that defense and right next to him in the middle, Joe Reinhardt, a great Guelph bloodline, the Reinhardt's older brother, long snapping for the Argos right now. And a guy who also plays, happens to play for the Guelph wrestling team. And he's got a great mustache. Oh, I think, he, I think everyone, like his training camp pictures, that's like, wow. Phenomenal. Top, straight out of the 80s. We might have to put up a ranking of best training camp photos in the OUA. And, and there were some good ones. There, there's it, some great ones. You have to have a look around. Yeah. It'll give you a chuckle at the very least. Yeah. But Joe, uh, at East West last year, I think led the... Maybe not the whole combine, but defensive guys, I I think was top in the bench press. So he's strong as an he's ox. Strong. He's got the mobility, um, and you'd assume as a guy who wrestles, that probably translates well to being able to wrap people up. And I'm hoping make I see some really cool suplexes from the UCL. <laughs> like that's that's one thing. Like Joe, yeah. please, exactly, give me some cool tackles to watch. And moving down to the defensive line, oh, that's that looks like it could be there. Their strongest position on on uh, defense. maybe on their whole team, yeah, yeah, and 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 I mean, so their offensive line is very strong. Their defensive line is also very strong. Mm-hmm. Alain Simonkinda, oh my gosh, this guy is a terror. He's an he's animal. A, he had a very good rookie year. He's gotten a lot better. I think six sacks in his first year, and I think he missed a game and a half because of injury, something yeah, like that. I, I think it might have been a little uneven. Like it might have been he had sort of two sacks or three sacks in one game. Doesn't yeah. really matter either yeah. way. He was a very good rookie in this conference. Mm-hmm. And a, a bit of an asterisk beside the term rookie because he was a CJ guy. guy. Yeah, it's it's you know it doesn't take anything away from them. No. Just do bear in mind it's almost impossible to come straight out of high school and be dominant in the OUA. Mm-hmm. It is possible to come straight out of CJ and be dominant. So I guess the thing you have to know about this defense is they're going to get a ton of pressure. Yeah, and they only had two sacks on the day. Let me tell you, they had a lot more pressure than that. Well, once again, as we kind of mentioned with. Um with Jackson White being such a big guy and being able to evade pressure, put almost any other OUA quarterback in that game, and yeah, the two sacks or whatever it was on the day, yeah, would have come four or five easily. Yeah, easily, hundred yeah. percent. And and you know, and so Seaman Kinda is a guy who they, they can put him inside on passing downs on sort of second and second and long, but he's gonna be looks like he's gonna be playing defensive mm-hmm. end most of the time. It looks like the the main three guys they're rotating at the end right now would be. Uh, Elaine, uh, Charlie Taggart, veteran guy who's moved from DN to linebacker and played a bunch of specials for them. And then the transfer, Carter Wilson. Yes. Um, and we don't have to get too much into this. And I know I didn't, we didn't prep on this at all. So forgive me for catching you off guard. But you obviously, uh, for people, for, if you don't know, Eddie, you went to Boston College for a few years before coming to Western. Can you talk a little about, a little bit about that transition? Um, from ages from the American game to Canada and just from maybe a, even a cultural divide. Uh, and then once again, if you, if you don't know, Carter Wilson uh, played three years at North Dakota State before coming back, two or three years, I forget the number, um, before coming to Guelph and this being his, I say this with air quotes, rookie year for the Griffin. So Eddie, being a, transferring from uh, NCAA to... OU. Well, it, I mean, it, 
it's obviously a change. Um, it's different for everyone. I, I can't speak to what his experience was like at North Dakota State. But one of the things you're going to get in the States very, very consistently is incredible strength and conditioning training. So I'm just going to assume that he's coming back, having essentially gone through the ringer physically of <laughs> American strength and conditioning. Yeah. And, you know, I take nothing away from the strength and conditioning coaches we have in Canada. They're very good. But in the States, they own you. They mm. own you in a different way. And they apply a lot of leverage on that ownership. So I'm sure he had a, um, a good experience there. I don't know why he transferred back. I think maybe he wanted to be a starter. Maybe he wanted to be closer to home. Obviously, those are both things he can now be. But football is football. Yeah. There's obviously a big difference. I mean, when I was at Boston College, I was transferring out. You know, I was kind of a nobody on the team. And when I came back, I was heralded. You know what I mean? So there, there's sort of there's an element of that that's kind of fun. Uh, but I, you know what, he's, he's, this is a kid who's playing football and amazing player out of high mm -hmm. school, like really loved watching him on film, very refined pass rusher early on. Yeah. I forget what the award is, but he was the top, but he had a player in Ottawa. I don't know if it was specifically defense or whatever, but for the whole, you know, for all of Ottawa, he was like the top player out of that whole area, which, which is no surprise. No. I mean, he is a great, great player. Mm -hmm. So, or he was coming out of high school and I assume he will be. And he showed signs of being that player mm -hmm. in this game. He was a very dynamic pass rusher. Yeah. Had a sack, I believe, and certainly looks like the kind of guy who's going to create pressure often in games. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know how he's going to be against the run. Well, that's actually one of the big questions I have cuz as a whole this defense looks very athletic and this might be an indication of the work they were doing in the offseason. You mentioned strength and conditioning coach. They uh recently this past year brought in uh Shea Pierre. name Shea Pierre, of course, my apologies, who is very much about you know football specific training being able to move very well speed agility all those things as opposed to more traditional bench deadlift squat just this guy's good he knows his stuff he knows his and, stuff. and the proof's in the pudding with the clients he has in the offseason right he's yeah he's training a whole bunch of cfl guys yeah but you know point point being like the defense looks fast but how are they going to fare when they come up against a team that wants to just pound the rock up the middle when they if they end up matching up with Western sometime wow. in the playoffs. And and the guy that they're, I think, going to really hang their hat on, and I know you're loving him so far from what you've seen, big Greg Corfield. Yeah, this is a guy I was not sure about when I first saw him play. Mm. I thought he was just big and kind of whatever. This is a good defensive tackle. Like, he is a good player, and he is a yeah, a black hole for, for the run game in his area. Mm -hmm. Very, very strong off blocks. Surprisingly athletic for his size, and he is huge. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, technically a good D tackle. Like mm -hmm. he just, he's a perfect one tech in this conference. I think he's the best yeah. one tech in the conference. And for what it's worth, a guy who started his career on O-line. So there's always a little bit of that, you know, knowing the secret sauce of the other side. I mean, every little bit helps. But and he's got fantastic red hair. He's got beautiful, beautiful red hair. So Kissed by fire, as they I, would say. I, in I'm Game sort of, of like half in, half out on the ginger clan. So <laughs> I'll sort of claim him as one of mine. There you go. So the defense looked good. And like we said, whether it was a slow offensive start for Mac, and at the end of the day, I mean, Guelph only gave up 16 points. You'll take that any day. But So whether it was a slow start for Mac or just a very solid outing for Guelph's defense, that wasn't the issue for Guelph. No. The offense. Mm. 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 So this is a team that, 
one of the big question marks, well, two, I'd say the two biggest question marks when we move outside of the defensive backcourt are quarterback with Theo Landers, who played in four games last year and or played in three or played in four. One was coming in at the halftime against Mac when James Robbins went down. A game they ended up losing, but he ended up going three and zero the rest of the year. A guy who went to East West, led the whole game in passing yards and rushing yards. A guy who looks fantastic as an athlete, and similarly, as I kind of mentioned with Corfield, he played defensive back for the majority of his time at Guelph. So while he may not have had the experience learning the passing game traditionally as a quarterback, he definitely knows a little bit when he's able to see a defense, see a defensive back group, and how they're moving and how they're lining up. He can probably read in a little bit like that. But so far, he's left a little bit to be wanted. Well, 80 yards passing is more than a little bit. Yeah, and in the Laval preseason game as well, you know, the game turned into a blowout, but it really started by the fact that... I mean, take take what you want from preseason. And but, that's very, very little. Sure, me. but it, the game started with them throwing two pick sixes on their first two drives. That's not great. Not great. I'll take a little something from that. That's the... Yeah. Uh, so, you know... This is a team that will definitely want to run the ball because they have the hogs up front that to do is it. That good. It is very good. And, and they're then, without yeah. Guthrie. They're without Guthrie. And not only are they without uh, Jalen Guthrie, who started at left tackle last year, and who, if you just look at, you're probably saying, why is he not in a D1 locker room playing he's, O-line? He's an incredible specimen. But they're without the guy that they were anticipating would be his backup in Andy McFalls, a second-year guy who missed most of his first year, if not the whole then played for Team Canada in the summer where they won a gold medal or what have you. Huge upside. Guy they were really looking forward to. Probably the future once um, Guthrie graduates. And then he goes and, I I don't know, broke a pinky or something. But he's been out. So they had... Broke a pinky. Broke a pinky. Exactly. <laughs> so they had rookie... That's, that's not something to laugh at. That hurts. No. it oh, Especially as a lineman. So they had rookie so uh, uh, LaPointe in... A tackle yeah. and you know held his own, and they were and they were switching their tackles, him and Stark Zala from side to side. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was a field boundary thing or what it was. It was, I know some people do that. But I don't, I don't really know why you do that. Maybe right. they just wanted a particular matchup. But the other tackle, Stark Zala, Monster. he is outstanding. Like this is a Guelph offensive line that, if Guthrie played the whole year, they would both have to sort of be first teamers. And then, you know, there would be, I don't know, like one or two of their other guys on the inside three should be in the conversation. They're good. They're very good. You know, you, you got a guy in Ben Petrie who started at left guard for them who... He was he, a right tackle last year, right? He uh, for part of the year. He he played. Well, he played some tackle because I know that he was the swing guy. I, I think. Well, I think they were playing with the idea of actually using Petrie at tackle and instead of using Lapointe at tackle for this game, having Petrie there and bringing someone else to fill in a guard. Yeah, like he, um, Possibly. He's the guy that's going to back up Colin Jerome at center if he needs to go out. Okay. Probably the guy that when Colin graduates this year is going to fill in at center. You know, just a, a, a great versatile athlete. I mean, as an offensive lineman, we all have our positions that we play, but ideally, as a coach, you want a guy who who comes in, it's like, what position do you play? He's like, I play offensive line. Like, that's a coach's dream. Mm. And Petrie is that. And that's not. And that doesn't even take into account what a good athlete he is, how strong he is. Like, he moves. You were talking about how athletic Max O-line is. Petrie would fit in really well with that group because he looks a little bigger than he did last year. I, still, thought, yeah. I thought, like, I, I remember seeing him play right tackle last year, and I thought, yeah, this guy looks like a tackle in this conference. Like, he's nice, he's athletic, he's technical. And he looks a little bigger. Looks yeah. like he knows he's playing inside this year. But a guy who got 
went kind of the opposite route, went yeah, from a little, Woodmanzie. from a lot bigger to, well, yeah, Coulter Woodmansey at right guard for them. Oh and boy, he was just. I mean, I I, I applaud what he did because he's obviously lost. I mean, at least thirty, maybe forty pounds, and not all from the haircut. <laughs> a yeah. lot from the haircut but I mean a, a few of those from the haircut <laughs> yeah. but he's a guy who I loved watching in a way because I thought man if you lost some weight if you were a little quicker this could mm-hmm. be a great player yeah. he did that it's like you read my mind I yeah. won't take all the credit <laughs> but I'll, I'll take some anyways no. and then of course very yeah. good his play strength is outstanding and then anchored in the middle by Colin Jerome probably the strongest guy on the team absolute animal knows the system was you know, mentored in many ways by Matt Nesbitt, who I played alongside, who's coaching at Windsor now, who a testament to his knowledge of the game, his first year out of Guelph, got a job with the Argos, worked with Guelph. So, you know, I have all the faith in the world in Colin Jerome anchoring that offensive line. So a great offensive line. And and yeah, that Colin Jerome, I mean, in the Mac game, I don't know if you saw this one, uh, he had a, a play where he was cleaning up in the slide, and he made a Mac defensive tackle oh, go horizontal. He's he's nasty. That that was he, an impressive play. He, he made a two hundred and sixty pound guy mm, fly. He yeah no he has that nastiness that coaches that you can't really teach. And he's fast. And he's fast. He's everything. So then we have a great offensive line that's only going to get better when they get healthier. The run game though it looked good, but the that was another one of the big questions because they lost Johnny Augustine, who um, is now with Winnipeg, and Brandon Gordon, another consistent running back for them over the years. And the top position you'd think would go to Jamal Hooker, who looked good against Laval, had a couple nice runs in this game, but it kind of looked like they were going running back by committee because they brought in Kwame Osi. He had a couple nice runs. They kind of stuck with him for a while. Then they brought in Hooker again late in the game. I feel like they haven't quite figured out the running back situation there. There's potential. I think it's clear at this point that those are the two main guys based on the carries that mm. they were giving them. But I think people also have to remember uh, the, the younger brother of Alain Simankinda is, is JP, and he's expected to get quite a few touches himself. So he only had one, I think, in this game, according to the statute at least. He was, he was the one, uh, for those who remember, if you're watching the game, who they gave the ball to on the goal line when they got stuffed twice. Theo himself ended up carrying it in for the touchdown, the only touchdown of the game for Guelph. Um, and, you know, when you get stuffed on the goal line, there's so many factors that play into that. Obviously, it all starts with that <laughs> that behemoth of a man, Lolly, for Mac, plugging up the inside on their goal line defense. He's listed at 400 pounds. Yeah. I don't doubt it. I often no. doubt when I see outlandish height or weight on, uh, you know, players in, in the OUA because, you know, who's really... Yeah. Keeping track, who cares? Yeah, but he is a large boy. He is a big dude. Uh, but, you know, point being, he got stuffed on the goal, and there's so many factors that play into that. Whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, Hooker um, and then OC look like the two main guys. This year they got Daniel Palmer Salmon back, a guy who took the year off last year but had to run the ball for them, a guy who, uh, to, coach, uh, to quote Coach Galloway, a guy who had been in the end zone just talking about that veteran presence, and they lost him in that Laval game for what seems like the year. A big loss, but uh, oh, you know, bad. when you have a great O line, it just you know, a great O line makes good running backs great, makes great running. You know, it just it's one of those things that this running back court or this running game should work for this team. And the thing is, at this point of the year, there are no great offensive lines yet. That's so sure. we're, we're talking about the prospects, we're talking about the players, and individually, Guelph has a lot of good players, as does Mac, you know, as does Western, as as do other teams. Yeah. But what makes a great offensive line is how they gel throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to see anyone, well, I mean, 
in matchups that are relatively even, you're not going to see dominant running games from any offensive line yet. I don't think because that's just that, that's that's it's the too kind of thing early. that takes a little while yeah. to get together, right? So and protection is going to be a little shoddy. So these are good, very very good looking offensive lines for this point in the year, but we don't expect them to be where they'll end up. Yeah, no, I think that's completely fair. Which then we we got to go back to Theo. We read off some of his stats. What was it? 80-something yards on the game. Just 13 for 21, 88 yards. The passes he was making, he was kind of just dink and dunking short yards plays. Even a couple times I saw where might have been second and medium to second and long. And him kind of going for just a just crossing route that's, you know, you're kind of banking on a wreck to make a nice move to get that first down. So And... So I don't know. I, like this, so it's still a big question mark. He has the talent, and he has the talent around, around him. A guy we didn't see in this game, which when we talk about big plays offensively, is going to make a huge difference. Key and Schaefer Baker, he was not on the field. Uh, we cannot speculate. We don't want. Let's not speculate on why he wasn't out there. I haven't heard about an injury, but definitely a big play guy for them if he's out there. But the kind of speculation I am comfortable making is that he would be their leading receiver. Absolutely. In pretty much every game that he plays. Absolutely. Not not to take anything away from the guys they have. No. Kean is a pretty special athlete. No, no doubt. Um so maybe it's just the lack of that big play guy. I mean, a guy who um I liked out there Cade Bellick, fourth year receiver out of Saskatchewan, solid hands, big frame, like won't go down easy, had four catches, solid just Was he a safety net kid. Sorry? Was he a Laboldis kid? Did he go to Laboldis? Uh, I can't remember. Probably did. Pretty much but, everyone who comes from Regina went to Laboldis. Yeah, but you know, Bellick's going to be a solid guy. Zeph Frazier, solid. Um, but it's really, in terms of the passing game, if we're talking about explosive big plays, it's going to come down to seeing Keen out on the field. And uh, Yeah, that's a huge blow if he's not going to be out there for the mm-hmm. rest of the year. We don't want to speculate as to why he isn't out there. Uh, but, but with that in mind, I don't think it's an injury. And it might be something to do with eligibility. And so... You know, I, I it's yeah. the time of year when if there are any issues with eligibility, this is the time of year you won't see guys out there. Western had a couple of guys who they held out of the game, yeah, precautionarily, you know, just just to be safe, for sure, because they weren't sure. You know, one guy had a summer school credit he had to get. One guy, you know, they wanted to make sure everything was copacetic with his mm-hmm. admissions. So this is the time of year where any academic questions might not yet be answered. Again, yeah, this is you know the school year hasn't even started yeah, yet. Exactly. So, we're gonna we're gonna wait and see mm-hmm. uh, how that shakes out with Kian and the other guys I mentioned on Western. We'll we'll keep you updated on that. We'll see that that obviously would be a huge loss for Guelph. Yeah, and I think the last thing we need to touch on with this uh, Guelph Mac game and specifically looking at the Guelph side, Gabe Ferraro, who got drafted last year to Calgary, spent some time with them in training camp, and they got sent back. He's broken OUA records. He's been all Canadian. He's been all OUA. He doesn't suck. He does. He's far from sucking. Uh, three for five on the day, which would really, or pardon me, he two for five on the day should really be two for four though. Cause the last miss he had was a third and 10 less than a minute to go in the game. The score as it was score was the final 16 to uh, 15. And instead of going for the first down, still time to be able to get a first down and then maybe go for the kick. Guelph decides to put the ball in the hands or in the feet should I say, of Gabe Ferraro, go for the kick, which was going to the win as well, but was very short of going for it. What do you stand on that play, on that decision? Well, I mean, far be it for me to second-guess coaches. Uh, I yeah. don't have any experience calling plays, and I don't have any experience you know, making a decision like that that puts the game on the line. Mm. 
ultimately, it's the kind of thing where you look brilliant if the kick goes through, and you look like an idiot if it doesn't. If it, yeah. And if you make if you make the other decision of going for it on third down, and you get the conversion, you look brilliant. And yeah. If you don't, you look like an idiot. There's there's no positive outcome except winning the game at that point. So yeah. Or you know maybe finding a way to kick a rouge and tying it. I don't know. Yeah. No, so I, the long yeah. short is I'm I'm not gonna second guess coaches' calls like that. You know your team, know the situation. Yeah. So I, I, I'm totally, totally fine with it. You know, I, I think taking the value of each position out of play for a second, Gabe's probably the most talented player. Like when you take out. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. You know what I mean? Um, Every so, quarterback's always the MVP. Exactly. without a quarterback, you don't do anything. But he's the best kicker in the country. Uh, I mean, I don't know. T- I mean. That's well, a, I don't know all the kickers. I don't kickers. know. I think my boy Mark Leggio <laughs> might have something to say about that. <laughs> well, either, wait, what's his last name? Leggio. All right, I he, know. He, incredible. <laughs> Incre- I know. I know. It's, see, it's spelled a little bit different, but there's a reason. Nickname's Legs. Okay, like. well, he might take it for that reason. But either way, you're putting the ball in the hands or feet, however you want to shake it up, of one of your best players, one of the best kickers in the country. I have no qualms with that. And yeah. like you said, if yeah. they made it, Everyone would everyone would say it's a great call. They missed it, so there's probably gonna be some naysayers. He's a great kicker. You know? He's a great I, kicker. You, you you put the ball. Typically, you try to put the ball in the hands or on the foot of your yeah. best players in the situations that matter most. Kickers, even the best kickers, are gonna miss kicks. Those are really brutal conditions. Don't you know? Can't say anything. Also, another kicker in that game, Creo Cannon. Yeah, Cannon. I mean. If you're a kicker and you don't have a pun in your name, we don't care about you. No. It's that simple. Yeah, fair, yeah, that's how it works here <laughs> at the 55. But that wraps it up for our Games of the Week segment and our week review. Now let's take a look at week two. So now looking ahead to week two, our Game of the Week is going to be Laurier visiting Queens. And it's going to be a big game for Queens. I don't want to overstate it, but it's the most important game they'll ever play. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe that's a bit much. But yeah, so Queens, Queens, I think, is in the second tier of teams in this conference. I believe right now, based on what I've seen, you have Western, Laurier, Mac, Guelph, and Carlton as sort of a top five. Yeah. And I think it's a little fluid. I, I mean, I, th- I think Western's Western is going to be in there yeah. for sure. And I think Laurier is going to be in there for sure. And I'm pretty confident both Mac and Guelph will be in there. Yeah. Carlton, hmm, probably. We'll see. So, I mean, you could put them in the top five or you could put them in the second tier if you want. And that second tier to me is Waterloo, Queens, Ottawa. And, and if you want to put Carlton in there, you can, or if yeah. you want to put them in the top tier. Either way, if you assume that the top tier is the five teams, mm-hmm. that means there's only one playoff spot left for those three teams remaining I mentioned. So if Laurier is clearly in that top tier, getting a win over Laurier for Queens right now, one, I don't think they, I don't think they truly expect to beat Laurier because when was the last time they did? Getting a win over Laurier is Queen's stake to relevance this year. Mm. That is how they make it happen this year in terms yeah. of getting a record that that will differentiate them in the second tier and have them make the playoffs. Laurier will have a nice test here. Yeah. This is a new defense. This is a very new look defense. The only unit on their defense that doesn't look completely new is their defensive line. They basically have the two defensive tackle, sorry, the, the defensive tackle and defensive end starters mm-hmm. in Robbie Smith and Trayvon James, but they're breaking in. I mean, I know Zachariah, I think his last name is Hauron. Hauron? I don't know how to say it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sue me. Anyways, 
he's he's playing the other D tackle spot, or at least he was in yeah. the in the scrimmage that I saw. And they're breaking in a different defensive end starter. Linebackers are different. They lost Calver. Calver was a fantastic linebacker in this league, like one of the best and very underrated. Uh, Cowan was a guy I think they expected to be their their leading linebacker. He's out with an injury. Uh, I think it's not football related. I think they hope he's back in the playoffs or late regular season. But they're breaking in new linebackers. Uh, Sal Farley, and he's at will. And Pineda's at Mike, I believe. And, I mean, I, I think they look pretty good. But they're new. They're fresh. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're not Calvin Cowan. And they probably won't be. And so that's a different that's a different dynamic for that unit. Like last year, they were great at all three levels of their defense, and their defensive backs. You know, they lose Guzliak Messam, they lose Onyeka, Godfrey Onyeka. I'm not sure if they've lost other players, but those are two enormous losses. Like those are those were two of the best DBs in the conference. And I think I don't think it's a stretch to say Onyeka was the best corner in all of the CIS last mm. year, right? I mean, that I would say that personally. Like he was a he was a complete monster. So yeah. that's a that's a new team. They moved Calverly. I guess Calverly. No, sorry, not Calverly. Um, yeah, I know who it is. I have his face. Hutter. Hutter's playing safety now. They have Shamari Hutchinson at Sam. You know, that's a guy who had some experience last year too. So I mean, th- th- this is a defense that I think they'll end up being very good. Obviously, Coach Ron is outstanding. They've got a lot of new pieces. Mm. And so, you, you know, you, you said Queens up, could stress them. Queens could stress them. And, you know, uh, you got Nate Hobbs. You got the veteran coach and Pat Sheehan that I think we have yet to do this, but we got to make sure we throw out a, a big congratulations to him for picking up his 100th win, career win as a coach. Yes. Against fantastic. York. Um, yeah. And, and it's just an offense. Like, yeah. A true stalwart coach in this. Oh, conference. absolutely. Like, you look at like a, like a legend of this conference at this point, And obviously. Mm. He's seen generations of like players go through this league. Like, yeah, he's fantastic, and, yeah. He, and he, you know, and his offense has always been good. Mm-hmm. And he brought in an offensive coordinator this year because that's just the new rage. I think coaches bringing in more coordinators. It yeah, makes a lot of sense to me. I Absolutely. Mean, why not? They brought in a CFL guy, Marcel Belfoy. So, I mean, like they're going to have a very nice offensive brain trust, and they have mm-hmm. McManus now as their defensive coordinator. Second tour of duty at Queens. I think he was special teams last time he was there. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's a Queens guy too. So if if he didn't play there, he's, you know, having having coached at Queens before. Once you've coached at Queens, you're sort of a Queens person, yeah. in my opinion, because <laughs> they they do things well there. And yeah. uh, you know, again, like I, I like their staff, and I like their players. And mm-hmm. and so yeah, on defense, Queens is another team that had to replace a ton of guys. Yeah, they had to replace Quamo who was in the CFL. They had to replace Mike Moore who. <laughs> Transferred to Western. That's that's a tough blow. He wanted to pursue a, a, a graduate program at Western. You know, sure, it's he a did. Fifth year thing. Yeah, he, just, <laughs> he wanted to taste the purple Kool Aid. Um, but how no. does it taste? Pardon me. How does the purple Kool Aid taste? Oh, it tastes like it tastes the rainbow. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, that might be an edit. Who knows? Who knows? We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah, I think I think point being with this game is you have queens that. Come end of the season, we kind of project we'll be in that battle amongst the second tier teams fighting to get Anything in. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. And you have a, a, lore, a defense for Laurie that's seen a lot of changes going up against one of the best QBs and one of the best offensive minds in Sheehan in this league. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's going to be it's going to be a very fun game to watch. Yeah. It'll be you know again like these early games are litmus tests, right, yeah. for the league. And I was very excited to see Carlton look great on that early litmus test against Western, and you know how much is them versus Western? You know Western being bad versus them being good in the early going of that game. Mm. I was excited to see Western and and Guelph. Sorry, Guelph Mac. Yeah, that one. Though yeah. Western's everything. No. Uh, I was excited to see Guelph Mac look like a competitive game. Yeah. Excited to see Waterloo have a ton of offensive output. We'll see how they do against yeah. Toronto this week, too. Even a guy, Sam Girard for Windsor, who looks like he can put up some points for them. I mean, yeah. like we said, maybe he won't touch that mark again this year with those numbers he put up, but that doesn't mean he won't come close because that doesn't happen by accident. So, yeah, no, now we're, we're sort of we're triangulating where these teams will be mm-hmm. based on we will be after the second week of play based Have, on their first and second game yeah. and sort of figuring out, you know, is that is Laurier going to be able to run at will on anyone? You know, are they yeah. going to be able to pass at will on anyone? Well, probably with Curly. And, and how's their defense going to hold up? Held up pretty well against Ottawa, but how will it hold up against a better mm-hmm. offense? Probably in Queens. So we have our at the 55 game of the week for week two. Laurier going to Queens. Elsewhere in the league, Waterloo is visiting Toronto Saturday night. And if you're coming out to that game, you will very likely see Mr. Eddie on the sidelines and myself at the game, but not on the sidelines in the stands because I'm not a VIP. He's not very VIP. No. He's not important. (laughs) No. No, I played with... uh, Burr was my line coach, so he invited me out, and I'd like to go. Should Uh, be a good... That's the plan. Saturday night, Varsity Stadium. I mean... We'll be the only That's ones a, there, probably, because, <laughs> you know, U of T gets yeah, their fans out. Yeah, great school spirit there. Um, then elsewhere, moving over to Sunday, Mac making the trip out to Ottawa. And this is something we didn't necessarily, I don't know if we touched on in the Mac Guelph review from our game one, our week one game of the week, but, you know, that Guelph win for Mac was huge because, obviously, here week two, they're traveling to Ottawa, and we've talked, you know, to a large extent of the difficulty of making that trip. And then week three, they're going to London to take on Western. So, you know, kind of revisiting that Guelph Mac game, if they drop that game, that could have been catastrophic for McMaster. Yeah, I mean, looking at their schedule, they, they could... I, I think if you're trying to be reasonable and go with likely, possible likely outcomes, mm-hmm. they were looking at their schedule thinking we could start somewhere between one and two... Zero and three or two and one yeah. at best. Yeah. And now, okay, maybe maybe they think they can beat Western. And then, sure. But I mean, yeah. do they think they can beat Western having come off those two tough opening game starts? Exactly. So, so maybe they can, maybe they can't. Either way, I don't think anyone's looking at that schedule thinking, oh, perfect, we're 3-0 and off the start. That was a difficult schedule. That was a bit of an early gauntlet. Yeah. And so grabbing that win against Guelph at home too, because that's even worse if you drop that one. So good on Mac. Um, once again, visiting the GGs in Ottawa on Sunday. Um, of course, we have the Laurier Queens game, our game of the week. That's a 6:30 start, so you'll be able to. You won't be disrupted by any other games happening in the OUA. And then the Labor Day games, we have York visiting Guelph and Carlton, making the longest geographical trip in the OUA when they go out to take on the Lancers in oh, Windsor. That is that is that must be. I hope they're going up on on. Man, they might as well go up on Saturday. Load up your phones with just your phones with podcasts <laughs> like this one. Yeah, for real. Um, and then listen to it three times over, four times go. over on that trip. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a brutal trip. So that's week two in the OUA. And so, yeah, what else we got here, Eddie? You know, I, I, that that pretty much wraps it up. I mean, I 
I think I think week one, maybe we'll have a little segment called Star Watch. And what I saw in week one was sort of what I expected. I think I think Alain Simon Kinda is going to end up being one of the best defensive players in this conference. Uh, I think uh, I like Corfield a lot too. Hmm. I, think, I think like if you're looking at like sort of all-star position type guys, I think I think those guys will be in that mix. Yeah. And then I, you know, I I loved watching Western. I love Fraser Sopic. I love I like you know what all Western's linebackers are outstanding. I think those guys are really really fun to watch. Fraser Sopic. Every time Western plays, make sure you know where he is on the field. He moves around. Uh, he's usually doing something stupid like wearing baggy stuff under his clothing. He's, he's number 32. He's, that's the new look these days. That's what the kids are wearing. Really? The baggy t-shirts under the... Everything that's old is new again, huh? Something like that. Uh, anyways, he's a really good player. Really worth worthwhile watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, lining up at Sam and then coming inside and going outside. And he's, uh, he's a crazy, crazy player. He does things that very few other people can do. I think he's the best linebacker in the conference. Mm-hmm. I think he's probably the, the favorite to be nominated for the President's Trophy from the OUA yeah. at present. And then on, on Carlton, definitely always make sure to watch Kenny Onyeka. You know, he had that sack, but again, doesn't doesn't really tell the story of how disruptive he was. Jack Kassar, he's playing uh, middle linebacker. Kasser, Kassar, I don't know how you say it. I've heard it both ways. Yeah. I've heard it both ways. Anyways, very good player. Had like 10 tackles, had a pick, very nearly had another. Excellent player. Definitely yeah. worthwhile watch. And um, well, and, and on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, Trey Ford. How is he going to do in Toronto? Trey Ford and Tyler Tronowski. That's a dynamic duo to say the least. You have to watch Trey Ford. You, you must. Have, you have to watch Waterloo. Is must watch entertainment, especially yeah. when they play against good teams. To well, see they, how fin- going to do it. They finished what top five in the country last year, right? They was had it? an explosive offense. And it doesn't look like it's slowing down so far. And, and they knew they weren't going to lose anyone. So yeah. yeah, they have excellent continuity. It's it's only going to keep picking up pace. So you got to watch Waterloo. I mean, this Windsor team. We'll see how how they keep progressing. They look like there's some potential there. Offense on their offense, Gerard, like we said. I think they have good program momentum. Yeah, I think yeah, they have, I think they have good young coaches. Like I know some of the guys, you know, contemporaries of both of ours. Yeah, and I know they're bringing a lot of energy to it. But they're in a tough position. They're they're not quite where Waterloo was a few years ago, no. but they're in a tough position. I think they're at a stage in a team's growth. I, I forget who what coach it was who talked to me about who, who 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 said this, but they talked about how like when you're a program that's losing just year after year and and by big margins, the way you progress is. You know, when you make those changes in your program and that translates to recruiting, you're at a stage where you're losing and you're losing big. Then you get to a part where you're losing, but you're losing small. Then you get to a point where you're you're still losing, but you're winning a few games and you're winning small. Then you get to that point where you're winning games and they're tight. And then eventually you get to the point where you are t- you're in control of ball games. You are a Yates Cup contender, so I think they're at that point where well, they're, they, they're not there yet. They're, they're no, they're yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they're not. They're, 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 they're climbing that, that mountain. They're at the beginning stages, but I think you'll see them in some competitive games this year. Don't just at the end of this year, don't just look at Windsor's record and and make your judgments on them. Take a look at the program, see who's in there. Uh, a good future, whether it pans out this year or not. And I mean, I'd like to to call attention to just one offensive lineman who stood out to me on film a lot, and that's uh, Drew Desjardins. Mm. He's an offensive guard for them. He's outstanding. This is a guy who would be a starter on any team in the conference. Probably should be in consideration for... I mean, like if Windsor's going to have an all-star, he, he better be one of them because he's outstanding. And uh, and I think, you know, it's something we often do is, is not really talk about cover or watch 
some of the the bottom teams and and that's you can only watch so many games yep. and you know I'm gonna watch Western games because I'm a damn homer and I'm gonna know? watch Guelph games because I'm a damn homer. <laughs> so you know like we're gonna we're gonna neglect some of the teams a little bit and and we apologize for that. It's just kind of that's the way it's gonna be. I mean we want to hear we want to hear from you guys. We want to hear from pretty much anyone who wants to talk to us. Slide Please. into the DMs. Slide into the DMs. We'll 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 text you back. Yeah. Uh, uh, once again, uh, hit us up on our email at the 55 podcast at gmail.com. That is 55, the number 55. So at the 55 podcast. A T T H E 55 at podcast.com. Yeah. My goodness. At gmail.com. Yes. This is confusing. At the 55 podcast at gmail.com. Or just hit us up on Facebook. You know who Facebook. We are. You know who we are. Um, and so I think that just about wraps it up for us. Once again, I'm Zachary Bader-Shamai. And I'm Eddie Merida. And we'll see you next week at the 55. Boom.